Welcome to the Purple Political Breakdown. So with that said, we kind of talked like um, about quite a few things in terms of our issues with, uh, you know, the overutilization of drugs, uh, especially with the ones that we're referring to. Um, we said some benefits on the super drugs that can make you a better human. And we know they exist for a lot of different industries. And, you know, in terms of mental health, you know, some of the better solutions at the end of the day, whether it's therapy or changing your quality of life, are very important things to consider. Are you enjoying today's podcast episode? I really hope you do. And I really hope you enjoy the fact that I have an amazing guest talking with me and having this great discussion. If you, as an individual, personally have your own podcast and maybe you want to have great guests on your podcast as well, well, I got a deal for you. In my description, there is a link to something called Podmatch. Make sure to join that link through my affiliate link so you can sign up to get matched up with other podcast hosts and podcast guests so you make sure you are never missing an episode without a productive guest to have an amazing conversation with. Podmatch is similar to any other kind of matching site for the most part, and it's super easy you. Just $6 a month and you can have a guest for each and every podcast episode that is tailored to your specific topic. So again, join the link in my description and join Podmatch now. Do you want a great website like this? This is my podcast website where I direct the audience to come to watch the content, listen to the content, read the blogs, and much, much more. If you want to have your own customizable podcast website, then join my affiliate link in my description to sign up for something called PodPage, and they can help you customize an easy podcast website for your personal podcast. Sign up to get a discount now. Again, use the link in my description to join PodPage now. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. We are back at it again, of course, uh, recording an episode on September 11. Rest in peace for all the people who unfortunately died. We are not talking about conspiracy theories today. That was for the Deep State episode. Go watch that one and enjoy all the conspiracy talk over there, which was a very interesting conversation. Not going to lie. Jonathan, uh, you probably would have found that conversation very interesting uh, with uh, Raul for the for the deep state conversation um but today we're going to be talking about the mental health uh drugs such as antidepressants or adhd drugs and whether or not these things are good for society overall is going to be the basic conversation for that of course and we're going to dive into that you know what I'm saying? Episodes moving forward will be a bit shorter. I will say that you guys can obviously support the episodes by leaving a review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, liking the video on YouTube, or checking this out on Roku TV on the Planet X Network. Make sure you guys go check that out, of course. So I guess to start it off, it's been a while with all three of us here. How y'all doing? I am doing good. I'm busy. I'm working myself like a dog between school, but I um been doing good, trying to make some money when I can, DoorDashing and still doing stuff for my podcast, but I am busy, busy, busy. 
Uh, same boat, just uh, looking around for a solid career or something like that, uh, pursuing the masters and stuff. Um, yeah, just chilling out. All right, excellent. You know what I'm saying? So we're, we're all kind of venturing into different careers moving forward, but you know, I'll try to keep this podcast going as long as possible for all the people who are listening and all the people gaining something from it, of course. Uh, speaking of people, I'm going to read off a review. It's been a while since I did that as well. Uh, this is from Goody1128. They said the host and his co-hosts have a detailed and insightful discussion on topics that some would rather not engage in. Kudos to Riddell for taking on the tough topics of the day and sharing all points of view. Nicely done. Appreciate you. Appreciate you. Of course, that's what we try to do here. Um, at the end of the day, the, the purpose of the podcast is to come to a solution or some type of agreement, something that we can move forward with, not just having just like dialogue for the sake of dialogue. Uh, I was reacting to uh, whatever podcast episode because Candace Owens was on it. Uh, usually I don't. I don't react to whatever, uh, but yeah. Candace Owens was on. I was curious to see how the conversation was going. And it was interesting because not only was Candace Owens on it, but um, there was two legal prostitutes on it as well. So they were the, the back and forth between her values and their values was very interesting to see. What's one a thing, legal prostitute? How are uh, you a legal prostitute? Uh, yeah, Nevada. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Yeah, they uh, I don't know. Apparently, they don't like that term. There's probably I think there's maybe sex workers. Escort, yeah. Escort, Escort. that's that's fine too. So, uh, yeah, it was an interesting conversation. But one thing that I came out of it thinking the entire time is like, what is the purpose of this podcast? Nobody's gonna agree. You're just hearing a bunch of opinions and just clip moments. I don't. I don't really get the point. I'm getting ready to do an episode myself about just like. Because this is my issue with all that stuff, right? We uh, like, because a lot of the bashing of those people comes from conservatives, and and a lot of them are, you know, there's always it's kind of a hand in glove sort of thing. Christian conservatives, if you say you have Christian values, you're supposed to be a conservative, and there is no good that comes from just shaming these poor girls who are on. I mean, truly, they're not that bright. Like what value is gained? They're not going to like you more after you just diss on them, and they're not going to be persuaded to come to your side if you just diss on them. But more than that, this is something that our culture is creating, and so there's really no value in just calling them foolish and saying you should live this other way. You have to show them another way to live. You have to show them that listen, this way that I'm living is probably better and more fulfilling than yours. And shaming somebody has never done that. It's never done that. And it just makes the conservatives look like pricks, in all honesty. You have to present the opportunity, I think. Like, I kind of agree with Jonathan. But what I will say is that uh, these two girls actually gave that absolute idiot Candace Owens a run for her money. Uh, It was, I'm sure, I don't know how you felt about it, Riddell, but uh, you could definitely tell that pre-canned speech did not work uh, with her. And she was actually presently surprised uh, that they were willing to actually orate their uh, their ideas as much as they did. I would say there's, for the most part, I think they scrambled quite a bit, but there was yeah. one moment where Candace Owens did struggle to answer the question, 
And yeah. I think it's the one that Destiny reacted to. I never, wa- I didn't watch the video, That's but right. it was That's the one I saw. <laughs> it, it was the moment where they were asking her, "Okay, what if, what if your husband, um, just all of a sudden gained this like will want for her to peg him?" And it's like she scrambled with that question because she she doesn't conceptualize the idea of a her husband ever deviating from her idealized vision of him. Well, and, so do you know? Okay, so do you know who her husband is? No, but that's not the point of the okay. question to kind of frame him in a certain way. Yeah, yeah, it's a hypothetical to kind of frame some because their point was the 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 sex worker's point was that there's a lot of guys, and I don't even agree with this, but this is the point they were making. But there's a lot of guys, and from their point of view and perspective, where they couldn't really. Um, be open to their wives and couldn't really release their frustrations to their wives. So they would go to a sex worker and get w- what they want and kind of vent out to them. So their point yeah, to Candace terrible. Owens was not do that thing. Yeah, no, I mean, that's fine. But the the reason why I'm saying she scrambled is because when they presented the idea that what if your husband can't come to you, can't talk to you, and he wants to do these weird things, what are you going to do? And she didn't really have a good answer for that because she she her only response was he would never do that. Right. But that's obviously well, when you George just Farmer would never do that. But I mean, that's I don't know the George man. Farmer, George, so George Farmer is like the ultimate trad Catholic guy you'll ever meet. Like, Wait, like so I'm sure, I mean, that, he, man, like I'm he, sure he, that man was born speaking Latin. Like, I mean, he's a Catholic it. though, so if the Pope told him to take it up the ass, he would do it, right? Like, is that no, no, that's, that's well, a, that's the, a, the, that's the point is, Jonathan, the point is not to I got, attack I, his I, character. I, I had to do it, I had to do it. I'm sorry, it's, it's a Lutheran, <laughs> no, thing. it's, yeah. it's, it's I, I know it's, you darn Lutherans, both of you are crazy. <laughs> <laughs> it was just to present a hypothetical that Candace never really considered, but you have to consider contingencies. No. That, I mean, it, I, that's all yeah, it was. No, I understand that. I think, you know, the I don't know what what answer did she give? She just she she, she said did. what you said. She, my husband would never do that. Um. Well, eventually, after like pr- like probing a little bit, she eventually said we would you know talk it out, discuss it. Um. I would never do that. And then they said, okay, what about divorce? She said, no, we won't divorce. Okay. But at some point, like there 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 are some relationships that is not able to be saved so there's some things i feel like sometimes you just have to concede if he really wants this and you're not giving it to him that might be ggs but well that's all i would say that that man you know when you make that vow right you you vow you don't vow I, i was just at a wedding my buddy crazy i'm i'm 20 my buddy is 19 and he just got married so he just got yeah. married, yes, uh, two days ago. So good for him. Congratulations, Jaden. Um, but one of the vows you make is for better or worse, right? You will not, like, for better or worse. And what is for worse? For worse is when I'm not exactly getting what I want, that is for worse. For better is when, obviously, you're both getting what you want. And you both, and that goes through every area of your life. So that's not actually a valid reason to divorce somebody for your because you're not being feeling sexually gratified especially when your sexual gratification is deviant like that is deviant to do those sorts of things that they're talking about jonathan's kink shaming out here yeah 100 i will i will 100 yeah that's not normal you should strive to be normal 
the thing I'll say on the um, the engagement aspect, uh, like my observation of it was that um, I felt like she really just struggled with just outrightly saying something with conviction on the topic, right? Yeah, it was like uh, really flim, uh, flim flammy, and uh, these that's two not, girls. That's were, what Candace always is. I think. I think. Uh, well, I mean, yeah, I, I don't think so. Actually, I would say that she's like one of the more stern people. She has a like good resolve in terms of the conservative movement. And the conservative media people. Um, I don't but... like. There's something about Candace Owens. I have yet to figure it out. I should listen to more of her stuff and figure out why. But there's something about me that, like, I guess, I guess this is the most I'll ever identify as a woman because it's like women say this thing they have an ick. Like that's the thing, right? <laughs> they have an ick yeah. about. Something. I just like. I don't know. I just don't know what it is, and I gotta. I I don't, I I don't f- like. I feel like uh, her like weakest thing is that like. She's kind of like I see her like in the same like actually like one to one with Crowder in a lot of ways where the only liberals they actually engage with are deranged ones. And then they present that as the like, you know, that's what we are. Right. Whereas like, yeah. you know, you have like I'll even like you know throw Michael Knowles a bone here. Right. Because Michael Knowles debated destiny. He's like shown his like uh, strength on it. Oh, life, he did. Right? Yeah, he did. Debate- Michael Knowles tries to debate a lot of people. Yeah. Ben Shapiro, I think, does a good job of like having a lot of people who disagree with him on any given subject, yeah. not just portraying all leftists as the same. No, for sure. Yeah. Like the, the thing is, is like I kind of have a lot of respect for these guys that uh you know acknowledge that first off, like the, the bare minimum is that there's such thing as great liberal thinkers, right? Like I think that's like the uh the best quality test to tell if you're like a deranged conservative or if you're like a normal one. And I think that um, Crowder uh, and um, I just forgot, Owens uh, both kind of fall into that category as well as like, I would even say with Crowder, like uh, he falls into hackery, right? Like uh, just very unsincere. Stephen Crowder is an absolute tragedy. Um, His wife fell off a cliff, bro. It's so bad. It's, yeah, it's, it's disgusting, right? Yeah. yeah, disgusting is the word for it. Because yeah. he, because he can, because I can't tell you how many times he goes, "Oh, we're Christians on the show," and then the next minute he'd be like spewing out f bombs. It's like, well, man, I mean, I, you know, far be it for me to judge somebody for using naughty language. I think that's, you know, that's yeah. not going to send you to hell by any stretch of the imagination. But if you're going to in one breath say that you're a christian you should try to uphold christian principles and use something called restraint and prudence and he has none of it well, and he's it, funny though he w- I, well i wouldn't even say well, that before, he was funny he was funny but i mean i i like the yeah back in the day i i did initially enjoyed uh change your mind then he just got really cringe but let's uh step away from this conversation a little bit maybe we'll talk about the daily wire in depth sure. in a different episode um but let's start off with some <laughs> what you need to know what is going on recently uh we'll start off with a not a political or insightful one but it's kind of crazy that this happened 70s show y'all know where i'm going with this 70s show danny masterson sentenced to 30 years in prison for rape that's, it's actually it's uh it's 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 crazy. Um, Ashton Kutcher and Mila Kunis was uh, retracting a lot of their uh, endorsement of him a- after kind of getting the conviction. So kind of crazy thing regarding that 
You know what I'm saying? He's a scumbag. I can't help him out. Uh, the creators of ChatGPT are on a mission to produce the world's first artificial general intelligence while keeping it both open source and, and safe. So that's uh, very interesting that they think that they plan to do. Uh, so we'll see how that kind of turns out. The G27 summit happened recently. Uh, two of the big things that they discussed is obviously the stuff regarding the Ukraine and Russia conflict. And one thing that they did indicate now, apparently that was kind of different from before, is that one quote that was said was that they uh, believe that states slash countries should refrain from the threat or use of force to seek territorial acquisition. So it seems like people are making, or at the very least, some some people. I think this, I'm not really, I don't remember which leader, but I think this came from uh, the person who ran it, being uh, India. So it seems like they're now taking a state, uh, statement, even though Ukraine wasn't invited, and obviously Russia and China, um, Putin and, um, why am I forgetting the Chinese president's name? G. Uh, G didn't show up but they had delegates over there um they also talked about a little bit regarding uh climate change they said that they uh plan to pursue and encourage efforts to triple renewable energy capacity globally through existing targets and policies so that's basically all they talked about they don't really talk about anything else that's interesting unless you guys can think of something and uh last thing is apparently biden's admin strikes deal with iran to swap prisoners and release six billion dollars in frozen iranian Did funds we get another wnba player no <laughs> no yeah. uh, they were spies this time it wasn't yeah. worth it it wasn't worth it then no it was, um, it was a good trade yeah <laughs> Yeah, I, I mean, apparently Iran wants that $6 billion. Uh, it's supposed to come from South Korea to Qatar without fear of violating U.S. sanctions. And Biden's administration said no. So what do you all think about that? What's going on? Uh, unless do you guys have other news. Of course. Well, yeah, so I have some other news. Um, recently, protesters broke into. Uh, I just forgot his name. Uh, it's. Jonathan, help me out here. Speaker of the House, uh, Kevin McCarthy, right? Kevin, Kevin McCarthy. McCarthy. Yeah, they broke into uh, Kevin McCarthy's office uh, in protest to get him to vote for um, uh, upholding PEPFAR. Uh, it's uh, AIDS research and AIDS assistance in the country to make sure people that have AIDS don't die, and furthermore, to actually prevent it from spreading. Uh, there's a lot of skepticism within uh, some conservatives, uh, which is actually a split issue. A lot of conservatives do believe that we should do more AIDS research, uh, as was uh, burgeoned in by the Bush administration uh, with their uh, war on AIDS in Africa. Uh, however, with uh, some of the new resurgent or um, insurgent uh, political elements in the Republican Party, uh, we're starting to see some skepticism towards it, uh, even skepticism towards AIDS research in the first place. Um, which I don't know. I, I don't know how you guys feel about that. Uh, as to the Iran thing, uh, listen, American life is priceless, right? Like uh, it comes, it, it's like said, said and done. And uh, obviously, you know, I, I frown a little bit if we did actually cough up the money, right? Uh, but uh, I'm always willing to trade prisoners, I think, uh, like every single time. Uh, even if it's like someone that's like Brittany Griner, who's like an absolute loser, right? Like, uh, it, it doesn't matter. Like, uh, her life is like worth like a, a thousand Russians, right? So, like, uh, 100%, like, uh, it doesn't matter. And I, uh, I applaud the Biden administration for uh, doing the trade. Yeah. I got, I got no particular insight on this one. Like I said at the beginning, I've been busy. I haven't had a chance to look at the news in a while. 
Although I did, I will say this. This is like the most current event I did find very interesting was the Burning Man rain thing. I don't know if we already talked about that. Oh, yeah. I thought it was funny. Um, I just find it, find it kind of ironic that, you know, all of these billionaires and millionaires go out to the desert to um, worship a, a statue of a burning uh, idol and then they get flooded out. Like there's a story in the Bible. There's a story in there's a story in the Bible. Uh I hate to belabor, but where Elijah is um contesting against the prophets of Baal to try to start a fire, and Elijah soaks his wood in water and like puts it essentially in a pond, his like altar, and then the Lord strikes it with lightning and sets it on fire immediately, and the prophets of Baal couldn't do it. And it's just like, you know, all nature is but art unknown to thee, all chance destruction which thou canst not see. I thought that was funny. Interesting. Um, oh, go ahead. Well, ju- just to declare, I think um, I missed. So the trade did get cleared is what you're saying. Uh, I mean, wait, did it? Like, it's not. I thought that you said it did. Uh, or did uh, I said. I, I, yeah. Oh, I'm, I'm maybe I'm misinterpreting. But when it said strikes deal, um, I thought they were referring to them saying no to it. But. We could, I, you know what? I'm gonna, I'm gonna fact check. I'm gonna fact check. We're fact checking live. Uh, Biden administration clears the way for prisoner swap in Iran. Lifts freeze on six billion in Iranian funds. Uh, five Americans in prison in Iran and five Iranian nationals detained in the United States will be uh, released. The administration told Congress. It's okay. a W. Uh, I mean, look, there we go. it sucks okay. that uh, we're giving them uh, six billion, right? Uh, but you know, uh, look. Like I said earlier, right? It doesn't matter. Like, uh, and any, any, I say this to everybody, right? Any American who says otherwise is a thug. Like, uh, I know <laughs> that I fully expect my government to try to get me the fuck out of a country, even if I like did some really fucked up shit, right? Like that is, uh, you know, part of the French there. But I, I really, truly believe that our state uh, has an obligation to uh, uh, the citizenry so much so that there is an unconditional effort so that we are only tried in our justice system and not that of others. I think that's like a, a foundational principle of being a citizen in this country, something the government promises us. And no matter what, even if the person's like the just the biggest POS on the planet, right? It doesn't matter to me. Like it's, it's just, like I said, right? American life is without a doubt the most priceless thing uh, within humanity, uh, uh, without a doubt, yeah. All right, excellent. Uh, so before we get into our main topic, we got a deep or deeper question. We won't stick to this very long, but I thought it was a very, sometimes I have like questions. I'm just inspired by whatever I'm viewing at that time. Like, and a question pops up. that's very deep in thought. Like when you make the argument, how are you going to make the argument for or against this? Of course. So this is about marriage rights, right? So the question is. Marriage rights, gay marriage rights, incest marriage rights, marrying an animal, marrying a kid. How do you go up to a person and other than like some moral or even, I mean, I'm I'm willing to hear the religious uh, version. How do you differentiate or differentiate these so, situations to the point where you can say this is legal and illegal how do you make these a very these i think there's a very uh, easy way to do this uh and i won't i won't even reference the bible right 
So let's, and this is how, and this is more like a framework of how we can do this, right? Of how we can separate it. Firstly, right. marriage is a particular thing, right? Marriage is not just the union of somebody, right? It's not just the union, like any union, like like right here, you know, the union of, of me and my cup. I, I'm using this cup for a particular thing and I'm doing something with it. This thing is not marriage. Me and my best friend getting together and having a good time and going to play a game or going on a hike or something, that's a union of two people who are, in fact, bonded by love. Like, love is a very weird word that we have that we don't use for, uh, as we don't have as many words for love as there used to be. And so that, mm -hmm. that is also a bonding of love, but that's not marriage because marriage is a particular thing. And so now we can separate out the particular things uh, and give them different rights based on their importance to society, right? If everything that we know, like say there's a, a fire of Alexandria 2.0 and like everything we thought we knew like was burned to the ground, all information we had, all of this stuff, and there was some sort of apocalypse that restarted the world. And so and right. we couldn't go back and find out how things were. And we observed that the bonding of two particular people, a male and a female, tended to have the consequences of creating a new life so that our society can perpetuate into posterity. Would we not call that something different and place that in a higher position of honor than any other union of two people, than of two men or, or two women? Like they can get together and they can have a union. It might be a little bit, you know, weird and strange because there's not like biological way that you're supposed to do that sort of thing. But if one union of people tended to procreate and tended to perpetuate society, would we not honor that something a little bit esteemed higher? All right. Before we do a little back and forth, Paul, how would you answer the, the question I asked? I think it's just like contingent upon harm. I think that uh, all the the basis of marriage has lost its meaning. Uh, and uh, it is just effectively a civil union uh, nowadays and will remain as so. Uh, in reference to like uh, people marrying animals, I, I think it's relatively unethical. Uh, I think that um, animals can't ne uh, necessarily consent uh, in terms of incest. Uh, I think that... Uh, you know, it's deplorable in a lot of ways. However, I guess like legally speaking, uh, if it was to burgeon its way out, um, the, the number one thing I would just like request is like sterilization, uh, in that case, uh, for both individuals as that form of harm reduction there. Uh, I, I don't think that if, if you like have ancestral sex and you produce a kid, uh, that kid's going to have a lot of issues. And uh, I think that that's a somewhat criminal act to bring a child with so many uh, ailments into the world knowingly, you know. So, yeah, that's the probably the stipulations I would have for it. But it's all, all right. harm reduction for me. I think I think that's a very fair thing, uh, regarding about harm or even referring to um, the overall purpose of you know people getting together. But I mean, even even though Jonathan, I technically do agree because I think think the purpose of humans should be creating uh kids and procreating and the cycle of life all that stuff i mean that is not necessarily one-to-one -one of marriage nowadays in a lot of people's eyes which which would be beg the question but i i indicated all these stipulations for a reason obviously i, I agree in terms of harm uh power dynamics kids and adults obvious no animals and adults obvious no 
but that's the, the the tricky one what i was like i forgot what i was doing the tricky one is what paul mentioned is the incest right because yes we think it's unethical we think it's immoral you shouldn't do it and we know that if you have a kid what could happen is you can obviously have a kid with uh genetic deficiencies but legally if they maybe agreed to never have kids or get sterilized how can we differentiate two consenting adults even though they're related by blood to stop getting married and make a good argument for it at i think it is illegal to, right it's technically it is illegal is. yeah it is currently yeah in some states i think there i think utah might be different yeah <laughs> those mormons man <laughs> oh different different but yeah i was thinking like how exactly do you make this and make an argument for this that's valid enough to differentiate itself squarely from gay marriage and well, you, obviously you heterosexual yeah that's that, that that's the thing like Des destiny is the guy that like proved this well right? so or I I think there is. I think there is a way to do it. From a secular world? From the secular yeah. Because okay, go ahead. um ish. I guess ish. Um uh -oh. <laughs> without so, any religious conviction, John, is what I'm asking. Because yeah, you have I'm to put this into okay. law. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. We'll see. Yeah. We'll see. You guys can right. tell me. Okay, go swing okay. it. Swing All right. Okay. Go for it. So part of marriage is and and this isn't a contingent thing. Like you're not not married if you can't have kids, but a, a a function of marriage is the union between you know two people that can create children. It is the sort of thing that can create children, and can create healthy children that can continue on to posterity and can continue our society. That is what marriage is. So therefore. A marriage between blood relatives in the future in posterity it will no longer have that function because the posterity that they create isn't healthy and isn't you know natural i guess it's not they're not normal you can't sustain that we see that from uh, the obvious deficiencies and, and issues so the the fact that the kind of posterity that they would create wouldn't be able to sustain society means from a secular view from a civil order kind of perspective that is not the same thing as a marriage of two people that can in fact continue to go on into posterity how's that uh, i don't know i guess like the, the pushback i'd have to say is like you know they're like i'm sure you would agree the presupposition here that's existing is just simply the fact that uh marriage is like uh this thing that serves as a means of uh procreation right yeah yeah, I would say that that's uh, patently false in the secular view, right? Like, obviously, we as religious people have, like, our own explanation for these things. But, like, in a world without religion, right? Like, uh, I guess, like, in, like, the the Rome that we live in, right? Uh, it's it's just simply, like, a means of two individuals dedicating their lives uh, to... Yeah, but... Yeah. So, I, I would say that I kind of agree and I kind of disagree with that. I would think, mm -hmm. you know, a lot of you know, secular atheist types would certainly say that one of the only reasons you would get married or one of the things that would create a marriage is the ability to reproduce because that's a biological function. You know, they might say that, well, you can get divorced at any time, but they would still say that, 
you know, there are certainly a lot of economic benefits to getting married. And when you're married, you know, you do the thing that you do and that makes a baby. And I wouldn't say that there's necessarily anything religious about that. I would say uh... the biological reproduction aspect of it is one of the more secular parts of a marriage i i would I say think... like wait really quick i would say if that was the case uh like i said like in relation to what marriage is today uh it's lost its meaning in that capacity i mean like it's well it's becoming more and more the case that... sterilize ourselves left and right but... well not even just like sterilization bro like uh think of like um just like all these people that just like knowingly uh choose not to have children without sterilization right like uh yeah, yeah like it's just uh um... I, I, I see what you mean yeah like it, like the I guess like I'm trying to like uh, work from like the here and now rather than the uh, like the then and there, right? Like uh, it just seems to me that the, the reality is is that the, the presupposition is uh, quite dated, right? And of course, it's a presupposition. Yeah. So, and so, also, I want to add to that that um, although ultimately, you know, I agree that there's a purpose of you know getting together should be a family, like I already said. The argument, the counter argument, obviously, nowadays is that either a gay couple or an incest couple can just adopt a kid, have a family, and then proceed that way. Oh, uh, <laughs> so uh, in that's inher- inherently, you could say that, but we know there's there's a few things we know. We know that there are children that need to be adopted, and we know yeah, that. But... Well. Uh. What what, what are exactly? You say, yeah, what exactly uh, is the? the I'm gonna come off as uh, very um, reactionary here. I, I don't think I want children being exposed to that type of stuff at all. You no. alt right fascist. Yeah, I know. No, I know. Okay, I in terms. That. No, in terms of, uh, I'm not even making an argument for or against right now. Um, I would, uh, I'm definitely against incest couples adopting kids. I'm 100 percent against yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but there, uh, for in terms of, I mean, I think they did a study saying that, uh, in terms of gay men, they apparently raise kids very, very well. They do, yes. So, um, that's why I specifically why. said gay men. I'm sorry. I, oh, okay. I, the oh, reason okay. why I specifically said that. Wait, Paul, are you? I guess I misunderstood what you were gonna. Because I heard the gay men. And oh, you said I was you talking about incest. No, no, no. Yeah, yeah, That's why I called you an alt-right fascist. For, no. for the good I, I people be the listening, head. of course, uh, <laughs> I am fully supportive of uh, homosexuals, uh, lesbians, bisexuals, or whatever, right? Adopting children, right? Uh, I am not okay with ancestral uh, ancestral uh, individuals adopting children. I'm yeah, gonna nobody I'm gonna on this podcast is okay with ancestral relationships. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Um, Can but, cut that out? <laughs> <laughs> no, you, you, we, we, we all qualified. I, and the reason why this is important, because you said earlier that Destiny kind of figured it out, and I was thinking about it. I was like, there's really no good argument that you can make there that differentiates no. homosexual relationship versus incestual ones other than an ethical one. So, so real quick, right, I will that? insert, I will insert something. Then Go ahead. this Go for is it. why you can't simply make purely logical decisions because uh, logic is, and I'm not, I'm not. Uh, firstly, I'm not advocating for lack of logic in decisions, right? But when right. there comes a place that logic can no longer take you, that is why we need something outside of it, such as morals, such as ethics, such as values, to guide us where logic can't take us. And this is why I am opposed to purely making 
well, we can only make policy based on these certain logical fundamentals. Today, I spent pretty much my whole day reading research papers, and then we came to a debate in, in this class. And in the class, you know, each side was quoting statistics. And, like, from top tier, I mean, firstly, I mean, if you can call it science, but it's a sociology journal, but if you call it science. <laughs> yeah. But from top tier scientific sources of criminology and criminological research and everything like that. And, you know, I don't think that my opposition made the very strongest case it could. I thought they could have done a way better job based on the exact same articles that I had. And that just shows, like, you know, this is high level this is a peer-reviewed journal of logic and data and all these things and we can use the exact same articles and make polar opposite claims with them polar opposite and this is why we can't simply use you know the rational logical faculties that we're given by god i think to use but that's why we need something greater than those that can help guide us when that logic and and when that logic fails and why we can't make policy purely purely based on you know, this, well, this is logical to do so. It's like, well, logically, there's no difference between, because here's the thing. We know that there's something different. We know that there's something not right about this incestual relationship, but logically, there is no difference. Logically, there's a, this is why we need something outside and greater than logic. Yeah, I, I always say, um, I, I say frequently enough that when I come to a lot of decisions, I do think that it can't be pure logic as well. I, I say 75% logic, 25% emotion when I'm making my takes, because I think you need to have that human, um, like humanistic idealism when you're making certain takes. Obviously, you need to pick and choose properly which ones those would be. And this is probably one of those examples you can point out. Incest should be illegal. We're not don't we just know it's morally um apprehensible you know what i'm saying so with that said the the we just have to make sure that collectively as a society we we adhere to similar enough morals to understand that this is the case um so i guess the question moving forward and this is kind of a will be um uh i forgot the wording for it but the a question moving forward is how much of our the the vocal minorities will continuously inf influence our, our moral structure moving forward because we know because of social media and because of con individualized content, the, the moral structure in society, assuming it's being changed, reality, I'm not as sure, but as time continuously goes on, I'm curious to see how this continuously changes moving forward um as we you know grow as a society it's a, it's a it's a big question but at at the very least we know that incest is bad um so with that said let's dive into the main topic of the day and we're gonna be talking about mental health we're gonna be talking about drugs and i think this was a very interesting uh conversation i was thinking about it in terms of adhd and depression and when it came to ADHD, I mean, I looked up like what are the causes of ADHD and the assumption is like there's no there's technically no research direct link between technology and the increase of ADHD. But I think I personally think it has a strong case. A lot of it is like more environmental factors or, uh, you know, genetical factors as of right now, which they can kind of confirm. Um, 
But it, it's interesting how people are, you know, so willing to take ADHD medication for their kids. And, and in terms of depression, how people are so willing to take antidepressants um, for their depression in that particular state. And we know that these drugs, I mean, what they do is that they kind of try to rearrange your neurotransmitters to ensure that you have a better chemical balance in your brain, I guess, is the hope anyway. There's really no direct confirmation in my, from what I've seen that this actually works. But I think it there sometimes it works. At the, I think some people make the claim that it works enough. So I'm curious to, so to before we dive I have, into the conversation, what y'all think? Go for it. I do. I now that you say, I do have studies about that that I can pull up and send you um, about the fact. I think it was you know sometime la at the end of last year it was a really big deal. And my uncle, who's a social worker and has worked in like the medical or mental health field for years and years and years, sent me all the articles. Uh, I'd have to go back and find them um, about the fact that the whole idea that the chemical balance in the brain was completely debunked and all the science that they were saying was really inconclusive at the best, but the FDA still pushed them through and still and the pharma companies. Now I sound like a the crazy conspiracy theorist. All the pharma companies. Um, but the pharma companies, of course, we're going to make millions and millions and millions, if not billions and billions and billions of dollars on this. So they said, you know, just kind of goof up the studies a little bit and so make it seem conclusive. But in reality, the people that work, the people who claim, because obviously, right, people go on it and they feel better. But it's a placebo effect is essentially what it is, because they found that there was statistically no difference between the effect of placebos given and the actual SSRIs given. Um, and so it's just placebo effect. And like, right, if, if the placebo is working, it's working, right? Like if you get better, you get better. And there's no nothing about that. But it's not the SSRIs. It's, it's not the actual because then this is the problem. This is what the studies ultimately said is we don't know what a chemically balanced brain looks like. Right. Because if we scan all three of our brains, um, obviously, mine's the smallest. And <laughs> but everybody's yeah, a little bit, um, everybody here is going to have a completely different neurological and chemical balance of brains. And all of our brains will be developed completely differently. And so, like, what's the right balance of chemicals? Like, there isn't one. And that's what the study showed. Uh, I mean, uh, in reference to ADHD, uh, as far as I know, those uh, medications that are given are not classified as SSRIs. They're classified as like uh, amphetamines, right? Like uh, wholesalely different. Yeah. I went on a rant there that I was just wanting to. No, I get that. it. Yeah. Like, I, I think there's an over medication problem for sure. Right. Uh, and I do think that, you know, as to if ADHD does exist and stuff like that. Uh, I'll tell you, look, you know, uh, I have it and stuff, but maybe it's just restless young men at the same time. I think that's a likely scenario. I think, uh, you know, all of us here constantly bash the school system. I think it's a school system that is geared uh, for, you know, it's based off of the Prussian model of schools from you know the 1800s. Uh, that's just meant to create mindless drones. And it's very much geared towards young women and because men and women are different um and we learn differently and everything about us is different uh and it's certain it's certainly a model of school that is ideal for women and young girls who can sit still all day and then i think there's a bunch of young men that are restless 
and they have very high energy um and they're constantly told to sit down shut up and learn it's like i'm not going to be able to do that just physiologically and then they give them pills instead um and i don't think that's a good solution i do think that said i don't i'm i'm not saying that adhd is not a thing i think there are certain people that certainly are on the more severe end of that attention deficit um yeah and i i'm not saying that wholesale adhd is a fake thing that we just made up i'm not saying that but i'm saying it's certainly an overdiagnosed and even my psychology professors would tell you that it's overdiagnosed because in the most recent version of the dsm they cut all of the requirements for adhd in half so yeah and i'll leave it at that yeah adhd and and depression is such a I constantly think about it. Obviously, when I when I approach the the conversation, I approached it definitely more personalized versus anything to start it off. Usually, I don't do that, but I, I really think about it because when it comes to like brain function, although I think differently in terms of the hyperactivity or the depressive state of my brain, that inherently shouldn't be different whether regardless of how dumb or smart I should be. Um, it should obviously be dependent based off, uh, you know, what I've been through in life. And I, I would say from what I've been through in life, I'm probably, I would say a lot of people would wouldn't be able to kind of be as clear-headed as me and i'm thinking at, personally at the very least that i don't really take medication um and i'm and I, oh this is also a caveat also caveat just like what jonathan says i'm not saying depression doesn't exist i don't think anybody in this podcast is saying depression doesn't exist ADHD doesn't exist. We're do saying it exists, but just like Paul said earlier, I also agree that there is a bit of an over-medication uh, problem in America, thinking that just drugs will solve all your problems. And we can probably adhere that to other means of satisfaction as well. But overall, like I said, I don't really take medication. I've never taken ADHD pills. I've never taken depressive medication. I've never did any of that. I've never felt depressed, and I've never felt hyperactive enough where I couldn't focus. I, I would say even even though with that said, I suck. Let me get this very clear. I suck at sitting down and just listening to a lecture or someone talking about. Back in uh when I was in AP calculus in high school, I would fall asleep every class. Every single class. There's no way because it was so boring. I'm I'm one of those people like if I don't care about the subject material, I'm just gone. Doze off immediately. Fell, fell asleep. Now, if it's entertaining, and I do think this could be a part, partly due to a teaching uh, situation too, because my AP history teacher yeah. kept me much more engaged than my AP calc. But to be fair, how engaged can you make calculus at the same time? I don't really know. But like, obviously, classes like politics and philosophy are much more engaged um, versus like, when I took statistics in in college, but suffice it I to say, I did like statistics. Yeah, same boat. You all, I mean, I guess if you find a good data set to look at, but like l learning how it works just wasn't. Yeah, it was. It wasn't entertaining. That's not. But this is this is to my point. It's like different brains. Like, how are we gonna so just at the mental health on the whole mental health scale? How are we going to say that this is a correct chemical balance? Exactly. So people are so different. 
And just because I fall asleep when I find this boring every single time and I just can't focus because I think it's so boring, does that mean I have ADHD? I don't I don't think the solution immediately at that point is, okay, let me take ADHD medication. Or maybe I'm thinking, man, my life sucks today. Am I depressed? I don't even really know how thorough they, they diagnose uh, depression. Do you all know? Well, I mean... I, I know from having just taken a clinical psychology class just a, um, a couple months ago, um, when the new DSM, like for almost every mental health condition, they cut the requirements in half from previous. So they totally took the approach of we would rather overdiagnose than underdiagnose. Stop right there. Yes, this is a little mini ad. Don't skip. Don't skip. All I want to tell you right now is that at the end of the day, when it comes down to all the discussions I want to have, I want to be able to communicate with you, the audience. I want to be able to relay a message and receive a message from everyone and try to come up with these great solutions that I keep on talking about. So if you want to be part of the community, make sure you go to the website and sign up for not only the email list so you can get weekly emails from me for the podcast episode, informational sessions, all that great stuff, but also sign up to go on my Discord so you can be part of the discussions, debates on my live streams. So be sure to go to the website, www.purplepoliticalbreakdown.com and go to the email list, sign up and go to the Discord and join the server. Now back to the episode. And, but the problem with that approach was this, is right, just exactly what I just laid out. They, they overdiagnosed, but they, the, the prescription for it, they're not really doing talk therapy as much anymore. Instead, they're just giving people prescriptions. And the prescriptions don't really do a whole lot. And so placebo only works on so many people. That's why the doctor has a discretion to prescribe a placebo pill if he thinks that it'll work. But the fact of the matter is, if the placebo and the actual medicine have the same effectiveness rate, just whole cloth, then there's a lot of people that aren't going to be getting the help that they need because not only are they not getting pills that really work, but they're also not getting the real benefit part of cognitive behavioral therapy. The only like therapy that is truly been scientifically shown to work that's the problem with the overdiagnosis. how do y'all feel about adderall uh i'm fine with amphetamines like i'm like a big advocate actually for amphetamines being uh, prescribed more often yeah there are like uh there are little to the like i mean the negatives extend when you start taking them past 30 uh and there's like some uh associated like dental negatives um, but, um, I really like, you know, maybe I'm just like a, an addict after taking them for so many years. Um, but I'm a very big proponent for them. They are, uh, they, I mean, it's like, a, it's like a wonder drug, like quite literally one of the most life changing, uh, substances that we have available currently, um, uh, for people to get like, uh, you see, uh, C students become a plus students with it. It's just something that's uh so incredible uh the the negatives with them for like causing depression and stuff like that are uh more so associated with that of like when we prescribe them to young people like um people under 15 
which I don't believe we should do. Um, but I think for like young adults, uh, it's just, it's just amazing. Like really, really just goes out of the park with its, uh, advancements. Yeah. Paul, do you happen to know, go ahead. Uh, do you happen to know if there are like long-term studies from people who have been on, um, Adderall or those amphetamines for like 20, 30 plus years? Uh, yeah, their hearts blow out. Yeah. Yeah, that's okay. the uh, that, that's the big issue. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I didn't know. I don't know much. Yeah, about, it's. I mean, uh, it's just it's legal to meth, me, right? Yeah. It's, what was that? All, sorry, it, it's legal meth. That's like the entire yeah, like, yeah, thing. Yeah, that's yeah. What I'm. It's just to me. I'm not. I think there's a fine line, and I think there's discretion that is involved. But to me, it's it's inconceivable to just assume that putting in this this you know, very illicit and toxic substance, not illicit, toxic substance, um, that there won't be other ways that, that that alters your state of conscious, that alters your brain, and that there won't be some other side effects, let's say, other than simply your heart blowing out. Um, obviously, that's a physical, but I'm, I'm talking more. Yeah, we, we don't know, want people getting messed up in the head. Right? There's like, so, the yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. Like, we don't really know. Um, like for instance, well, we, there... we, with the mental stuff we do, because we've had access to amphetamine since I think the thirties, sure, uh, sure. like the, the most notable example, of course, is, uh, you know, the Nazis using it uh, in combat, right? Like, um, as well as like the U S air force using it for pilots. Uh, but as far as I know, a lot of the negative mental attributes to them, there are like some risk, I think for development of schizophrenia, but it's relatively low and it's only uh, it just makes it more prevalent for those that already have the risk in general. Sure, um, sure. Yeah. So that's all I guess. I, I, I agree. And I guess we have had it for a while, but yeah. I'm going to, going to label me a, a crazy conspiracy theorist. I know, <laughs> but I am weary of many studies. And, and the reason I'm weary is not because I believe that there's a conspiracy to fool us into thinking that you know whatever i have just for, for four years now my my dad is a professor so pretty much my whole life i've had access and been able to read studies mm-hmm. and and these are scientific peer-reviewed studies and and maybe this is this is also totally possible as well this is totally possible that just sociologists suck uh which is totally possible because they're sociologists they're just they're psychologists that couldn't get into psych school but um <laughs> they're just baloney like all of the studies i've been reading for and my i'm in senior level grad level courses and they're having me read these studies and i'm like this thing is absolute bullcrap it's bullcrap and for, i'm probably just falling Wait, into generalization bias jonathan uh i need to interrupt um yeah it, you're, you're you're being pick and choose with your with your studies that you have right like earlier yeah. you made these like uh studies that uh, corroborate like the negative yes. effects, but now at the same I'm, time, I am more than happy. To, I am more than happy to cite statistics that back up my point of view. And, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and future ones that disagree. Yeah, that's powerful. I, I like more, it. I like it. I am, yeah. I am more than happy to do that. I am more than happy to do it. If it sides with me, I'll cite it. If it's but, not, but, I'll say it's Hogan. In all seriousness, <laughs> though, right? Like you, you, you see the pitfall here, right? Like, uh, no, and this was. Yeah, absolutely. I see. And this is what I was about to say is it's more than possible that just 
sociology is just a fake science, and that's why all of their studies suck. Yeah. Um, and it's not the case for more legitimate hard science because that's the problem with sociology. This is often called a soft science, which pretty much just means fake science, uh, in my opinion. And that's all I have to say about that. But it's definitely for, uh, much harder to possible. do studies based off, you know, um, human behavior and human interactions between one another and to make sure that Especially you're criminal action. Yeah. So I, I definitely it's it's always been tough, but it's always been interesting, obviously, because we want to understand humans as best as possible. And whether that's to understand them for the better or understand them for the worse, you know, think about that for yourself, of course. Um, but one, it's a, it's a very interesting conversation because I do think there's something to be said to utilizing man-made drugs to increase human performance because like he, uh, Paul was talking about in terms of Adderall or, you know, well, now oh, it's not legal, but back in the day, steroids, right? Um, but they do use other things, you know what I'm saying, to help performance. So a lot of people in a lot of very, very, very particular professions Probably all any entertainer probably uses one. We know that people in the porn industry use one. We know people athletes use them. A lot of people use drugs to better their performance based off whatever they're doing. And when you're doing something continuously, maybe it's you know these are things that is just beyond human capability. So you just got to rise to the occasion by using these said drugs. I think I do think that's a little bit different than using a drug to put you back on status quo. Which is like yeah. to re, like restart your mental state to how it's supposed to be. Because, like Jonathan said, we don't even know how that how that's supposed to be in the first place. We don't know what a proper chemically balanced brain is supposed to be working like. We don't even know if that even exists. So, I think that is the the tough part is thinking that we can make we're basically trying to make a normal human we don't even understand what that really means in the first place so yeah. uh it's 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 such a it's a that's definitely a more interesting conversation be, behind that and for me at the very least i definitely say and back up to kind of what jonathan said in terms of therapy that the best way to approach these things especially when you're trying to put yourself back on status quo is obviously more than likely has to do with something in terms of quality of life and kind of what external factors can help you put you back, what hobbies you can be or what relationships you can make. And I would say at the very least to play devil's advocate, maybe some people can't do that. So at that point, should we like adhere to if they can't do that, they can't have the proper relationships, they can't meet the right people. Are we saying, okay, I guess, you know, Take some drugs and hopefully you will feel better. Do you think that's the best solution? I mean, no. yeah, I, 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 no, I would rather like us, you know, give people shot at getting out of their present situations uh, while they acknowledge the risk. As for giving it to children, uh, I think that's a little bit of another question. I mean, I'm a little bit skeptical of like parental choice already in a lot of ways yeah like um i don't know like after working with children and the like for a lot of my life uh you you come to really resent uh some parents because of the uh the rationales they embrace in terms of the things they want for their kids yeah like 
making their kids walk to school three miles away or something like that, or they're like prone to being hit by traffic uh, because it's like good for them. It's like, you know, and that's not even a severe example. That's the sad part. Uh, it's just like, I don't know. I, I feel like in terms of the medical stuff, uh, I, I really don't think parents should necessarily, well, you know, have that right to treat their child for that. But when they do become adults, I think that that person should, you know, be able to step up and say, Hey, look, I think this is my decision to make. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I, I, I totally understand what Paul's saying 100%, but I'm not yet convinced that that is the best way. You know, you said the best way I think, you know, it's, it's a very tough situation and I'm just not convinced that chemicals are the best way of doing it. Um, I would lean towards, I'm a big advocate of like counseling and, but unfortunately, right. When it comes to things like kids not being able to pay attention in school, I'm not sure that going home or going to somebody and talking about that is going to make them better able to pay attention in school. When it comes to things outside of school um, and just like general quality of living, it, it's a it's a tough thing to just say that the only way to take care the only way to take care of this is chemical alteration. I'm I, I don't buy that. I think that there is a whole host of things that can do that better. Um if we take the time to really flesh those out, I'm not, you know, I'm not, I don't have a list off the top of my head of what, what's a better solution than that. But I'm thinking, you know, there are uh, groups and there are organizations that can help you match with your correct career. Like I went to a, a trade school and one of the things they do is they give you aptitude tests. They give you a whole, like a whole day, like a whole 10 hour period. You go there, you take all of these different tests and they, they test for what are you really good at doing. And then they can help you with that instead of just students staying in the education system that's very toxic and is not going to do that for them. Getting those kind of solutions, I think, is a better place to start. Yeah, I, I think we've talked to Nanzi in terms of mental health. The, the, there are so much better ways to approach it. But obviously, in order to approach these things, these things, whether you're saying therapy or it's a cultural shift on how you're living your life, these things are much more difficult and it requires some type of innate li innate living change that that person would have to make yeah. themselves in order and to I, accomplish um, a better, healthy mind at the very least. Right. So I, I think go ahead. one thing I'll, I'll concede, and this is a, uh, you know, it's a relatively valid argument. And this is something I, I'm sure that Paul would say or, or at least agree with. And this is something that kind of sides with Paul's approach is that it's it might not be economically feasible to do that for everybody. Yeah, no. Because there's just 400 million of us or approaching 400 million of us in America. And that's who we're primarily concerned with as Americans. And it just might not be. And so, you know, in, in all seriousness, you know, Paul's approach might certainly be the most practical, but then I think that gets to the tyranny of practicality. But uh, what a, I did, I, I hate hearing it, man. I, I, I don't believe in the tyranny of practicality stuff <laughs> whatsoever. Okay. No great civilization has fallen to practicality. 
whatsoever. Sure, there's there, there are issues that present themselves, but I don't think they're profound enough to. Uh, I, well, I would more. say I I understand, and we don't yeah. have to rehash. We don't have to hash this out now. Sure, sure, sure. Uh, maybe yeah. maybe a different day. Yeah, but I, I guess yeah. another point to bring up because i'm sure people who are listening or watching or thinking this to themselves okay we know we're getting over medicated to try to put people back on the status quo but we don't even know if it's even working why are they pushing it in their face some people would be asking hey man is big pharma doing this on purpose is big pharma yes <laughs> is big pharma as Fimic says a very big critic of big pharma as we know uh, are they the ones that are doing this for profit versus doing this for the betterment of the people of the country? What we think uh, it's the former for sure. I mean, I, I don't think that like, I I'm sure that a lot of the lab techs, uh, you know, might like have like very strong convictions, right. In terms of like them helping the world, but, uh, like you know, GlaxoSmithKline has like already pledged that if they find the cure to uh, malaria, uh, that they'll uh, or the vaccination to malaria, they'll just like make it free and public. So I'm sure there's like some element, but the, the biggest element in terms of uh, pharmaceutical industry that like you know lives in my head is just everything that happened with Purdue, right, and OxyContin. Uh, I think that that kind of like was um, uh, the the removal removal of the veil, so to speak. And a good insight into how these people think of us, right? Which is, you know, at the end of the day, uh, like these things for treatment. Granted, you know, this doesn't necessarily rule out the fact that, uh, you know, we should take medication. Uh, we, we should, like, we should, but uh, they still do have. Can a you explain the thing with Purdue? They referring to uh, sure, yeah. Purdue, uh, Purdue Pharma released a drug called OxyContin. Uh, that uh, was used to treat pain uh, symptoms for all sorts of different injuries and uh, disabilities and the like. Uh, it was a opioid uh, that had uh, extremely strong effects and it was advertised as being a non-addictive product. Um, and uh, as time went on, uh, patients in the beginning stages of the uh, release of the drug started um, having issues with the drug and for in the form of the pain still coming up because uh, OxyContin was just too low a dose uh, to like sufficiently cover someone through the rest of their day. So OxyContin came up with a new strategy to uh, kind of create this terminology of breakthrough pain, which is uh, kind of gave them the green light to uh, release drugs at 100 to 150 milligrams of this uh, opioid. How's it going, AMC? Uh, just to like kind of like give you like uh, some insight on the matter. Uh, the average, uh, like I think, morphine uh, prescription was somewhere around 15 to 10, and that was considered quite a bit. And they were uh, administering 15 to 17 times that uh, to the American public. Uh, they also created these things called pain societies to corroborate their research uh, by uh, lobbying into the sciences as well as the federal government. Uh, that their drug was pretty much like the uh, the most ethical thing to do and the right thing to do. So I guess like, you know, to like lend some credence to what Jonathan's been saying, uh, that this definitely does exist. Uh, there are interest groups at play that 
uh, do uh, want to uh, make the top dollar off of us, right? And I think Purdue kind of did expose that quite a bit. The difference is, is that um, it just kind of comes in the form of federal regulation. We're sure you hopping you on. Uh, that kind of like regulates these things. The reason why OxyContin got away with what it did uh, was because of conservative lawmakers uh, and their deregulation of the pharmaceutical industry as well as the Food and Drug Administration. Um, I think that these things can be deterred, but the, the problem is, is that like, you know, if we as a country continually just cut these programs that are built to protect us, they can be actively subverted like they did with the Food and Drug Administration, which got, got them the label to sell Oxycontin. So yeah, uh, there's a really good uh, show about this on on Hulu. It's called Dope Sick. It has Michael Keaton in it. Um, it's mm. incredible. Uh, I know Jonathan and I's communities were deeply affected by this crisis. Uh, both the people of Florida, the people of Ohio, um, probably were the battlegrounds for the crisis. And it, uh, I mean, it still claims around, uh, you know, 50,000 Americans lives every year. So yeah, it's, it's a real big deal. And uh, they got away with it. They paid a minor fine. None of their leadership yeah. was arrested whatsoever. It's uh, probably the, the biggest travesty of justice in this country uh, in terms of corporate politics, aside from the 2008 financial crisis. Yeah. It really, it really highlights this very important thing in terms of um, and although we, you know, sometimes when people come on, when conservatives or Republicans come on and they go like big pharma's, you know, destroying the world or something like that, very apocalyptic kind of rhetoric. We I push back at the very least because I don't want this kind of overall idea, but in general. I've I've always been pretty honest how my opinions in terms of big pharma, if anyone asked me that, yeah, I don't I'm not a big fan at the end of the day with this big company, big company and uh, their kind of control of, of drugs. And when it comes down to something like this, when you're trying to put yourself back in a you know, status quo for this, you do have to pay attention that what you're putting in your body, especially when they're drugs and not just normal food food too you know what i'm saying but when it, especially drugs you got to pay attention to what you're putting in your body and just not assuming just because this you know label big corporation or you know university kind of indicated that oh it's good because we said so you got to do your own due diligence to make sure that you're not kind of negatively affecting you moving forward or making sure that you're not just putting money in their pockets to something that won't even work in the first place. So these are very important things uh, when it comes down to, you know, taking these drugs and especially if you think you are start getting reliant on these drugs and think this is the only way I can live a normal life is if I'm hooked on this. Right. So these are very important things to, to consider. Uh, Jonathan, you want to add anything? No, you're not a big pharma fan. Um I think you guys covered it pretty well. Um, <laughs> I I don't think I'm gonna break any new ground here. I I, I think, yeah, I'll just say that because then if I start talking, then I will come up with something to say, and then it'll pretty much be the same thing. So. Nah, you're 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 all good. So with that said, we kind of talked like um about quite a few things in terms of our issues with uh. You know, the over utilization of drugs, uh, especially with the ones that we're referring to, um, we said some benefits on the super drugs that can make you a better human. And we know they exist for a lot of different industries. And, you know, in terms of mental health, 
you know, some of the better solutions at the end of the day, whether it's therapy or changing your quality of life are very important things to consider. So with that said, if we're thinking about the the drugs that are being overutilized potentially or the drugs that are being kind of pushed for people to use because they don't know what else to do in their life, how do you think we should approach that type of thing in our society? Do you think we can put something into policy in reference to Big Pharma constantly putting these drugs out? I think Biden actually is doing something. I, I think I briefly saw a, I didn't read in depth with it, unfortunately, but I think I briefly saw where he's kind of putting more uh, restrictions on certain drugs, I believe. Paul, you can quote me if I'm wrong. Um, but what do you think is the best forward if you are kind of telling someone, oh, man, what am I going to be advocating for? How should we handle this situation moving forward? Uh, so I, I'm not really certain on what you're asking here. I apologize. I think there's something Biden is doing. I think there's like a couple of drugs where he's making stricter regulation yeah, on amphetamines, it. Yeah, amphetamines. Yeah. So, yeah, that's probably what it was. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah. So that's basically what I was asking if that was uh, what he was doing. Because uh, I, I briefly read it, but I didn't read in depth. Yeah. What so, he was doing. Uh, like, I'll, like, I'll give the anecdote. So, for me to get Vyvanse, um, I uh, originally. Uh, probably before the Biden administration uh, would have to wait uh, somewhere to three to day, uh, three days to get my prescription. Um, now I have to wait uh, three weeks in a lot of cases, and then I have to pick it up within two days or also to expire because of the need of it. And it gets uh, sent to someone else. And it kind of hurts because like, uh, I don't necessarily have a dependency on it. Like I went through all of college without it. But uh, just having it for like certain things that happen in my, my life, it gives me a lot more, more uh, what's the word, if I meet with someone that's like a big financier or something like that, I want to take this so I don't miss a single word of what they're saying in the conversation or something like that. It's a performance, it, like to me, it's a PED, right? Like uh, this is like this performance enhancing drug that, uh, you know, I only use like pick and choose. Um for a lot of other people, uh, they take it day in and day out. Uh, that's, you know, look, I'm not a psychiatrist, right? By any means. No, good. Appreciate you. But what I will AMC. tell you is that there are quite a few people that I know um, that do have some health effects from taking these uh, amphetamines so much. And the Biden administration noticed those health effects uh, that were happening. Like, for example, uh, one of the things that some psychiatrists will tell you. Uh, when actually prescribing you with um, these medications is you can't work out, right? And I think there's been a couple of instances where people, you know, this is the case with a lot of medications, uh, just completely ignored doctor's orders on it, right? Mm -hmm. And like ran a fucking, or, sorry, I don't uh, swear too much, uh, ran a marathon uh, while on these things, right? Oh. Yeah, and uh, you can expect the results, right? Like uh, your heart blows up because remember what an amphetamine does is not only does it make you more focused, it gets that blood coursing, right? And that heart starts pumping in so much of it, right? That uh, it can just uh, completely destroy it. So yeah, like uh, the Biden administration. That's what I think there's. Mm -hmm. Oh, sorry. Go ahead and finish. The, the, really quick. Yeah, the, the Biden administration just like, um, in my opinion, 
uh, has taken a little bit too cavalier of steps through the AT, uh, the, the DEA and elements of the ATF. Um, but I will say, uh, look, I mean, if there are a lot of Americans making stupid decisions with it, right, uh, it might be the time to do it. Uh, granted, uh, it does also impact. It's kind of like a, a really bad spot because on one side you have people that are kind of dependent upon it so they can either like, oh, like function in society and the like or the jobs that they have, uh, or just to like get into these social situations that they need. Right. But on the inverse as well, you also have these people that are like, literally like uh, blowing out their hearts, uh, coughing up blood, having seizures. Uh, the, the biggest thing with Vyvanse is, uh, it can, uh, make you forget to drink water, uh, is like a, a big problem sometimes, uh, or it can make you drink, to drink water. Yeah, yeah. I forgot what it is, but like for some people, it gives dry mouth, and for others, it actually wets the mouth so much so that uh, people kind of start to forget to uh, drink water. Yeah, I, I like mm. that you uh, bought the signal yeah, thank there. You. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm saying wave like here. Yeah, but yeah. like uh, <laughs> for those listening, uh, Jonathan took a swig right as soon as yeah, but look, it's it's like a tough sight, right? Like uh, because. You know, there's people like me losing, but then there's also people that abuse it uh, that are winning. There's also a huge problem with uh, private sale of it, right? We all, when we went to, we're going to school, we all knew a guy that sold it, right? Or we knew someone that was buying, right? You know, it's funny. Mm-hmm. The guy who I knew who did that, he was in the criminal justice program with me. Wanted to be I an FBI it. agent. Yeah. yeah. No, they're the worst. Anyways. I, I, I believe it, man. Like, uh, it's like, from what I know probably one of the quickest ways to make money uh especially if you have like the higher dosages it's like for like bigger guys like me i'm taking around uh like 90 milligrams a day uh but like for like if if i was to sell i could basically like put it on any number right and people will buy it and uh i mean it literally pays rent for some kids right like they uh it's just unbelievable but as a result of that you're having people that are unprescribed they don't have the medical background to know if they like have an issue with it. Yeah. If people with high blood pressure taking these medications when they don't know that they have high blood pressure in the first place. And then of course they go to athletics the next day or the gym and they blow out their heart. Right. Or they like, mm. uh, they have like these issues. Right. So I think that's a mm-hmm. potentiality for the way that like some pre-workouts go. Cause I've seen some of the dosages on like pre-workout oh, and the you know, they don't, they don't have amphetamines in them yet. Yeah, yeah, until the next. Hey man, I used to be a pre-workout guy. Now I just take creatine. <laughs> not gonna lie. Yeah, yeah, but it's like I mean, some of them are like 400, 500 milligrams of caffeine, and caffeine gets the blood pumping too. Not quite as much, uh, not nearly as much as. I mean, it has different effects as well. But one of the things they put not. I should I should reframe it. It's not the caffeine that gets the blood flowing. They have other chemicals, other things in there that allows your blood to flow. Yeah, That's not amphetamines, but then the caffeine has other effects that keep you up. Yeah, obviously. in the concoction with the other one. Yes, in the concoction. Yeah, it gets you things. wired. <laughs> yes, and then people go work out at the gym with them, and it's like that's going to be a problem at some point. For sure, yeah. the the big thing. I drink the bangs, and then they have coffee in the afternoon, and then it's like, dude. Well, no. the you know, I'll tell you one thing. I used to be a caffeine skeptic, Jonathan, 
but I'll tell you, uh, I think God made that thing for us, man. Like uh, every, I, all the studies about it, there have been so many good studies from actually like reputable organizations. And remember, there's no far, there's like no massive like pharmacology movement behind caffeine in the most, for the no, most no. part, right? I, oh, no, no. I love yeah. caffeine. I have oh, a yeah. whole podcast episode. I, I used to roast, I mean, I still roast my own coffee. I used to sell my own coffee. And right. I read a bunch of studies about it. Oh, and I like yeah. those studies because it's about coffee. So Dude, I I'm telling you, it, I'm willing to cite those studies. It, it um, is like just it, like there. I think like for the most part, there are almost no negative effects with it, right? Aside from no, like it, some depends, it, it depends on the dosage. The sure. correct dosage of coffee is is to get the optimal health benefits with none of the negative benefits. There's three to five cups of coffee a day. Yeah. A cup of coffee has, you know, about 40 milligrams of caffeine to like 16 to 40. And then you get into espresso. Espresso is more like 70 to 80. Um, so cups of black coffee a day. The negative effects of drinking coffee comes from and from caffeine largely is the caffeine that you get in um, energy, like drinks. energy drinks. Yeah. yeah, in energy drinks because it's not necessarily – just the caffeine that's good for you in coffee. The reason that coffee has positive health benefits is the other minerals that are found in the coffee beans that are only in the coffee beans. And it's 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 a very intricate foreplay of the caffeine and the other minerals that mm -hmm. promotes gut health, that promotes longevity or prevention of Alzheimer's, that prevents all of these other things. Awesome. Yeah, you don't be like me who drives 17 hours and drink 13 at monster energy drinks. <laughs> Bro and <laughs> to keep don't himself up. Not yeah, I mean, don't I, do that. My heart almost blew up. That was a nasty, nasty. Uh, once I got back for it, once I got to the campus I was driving to, I crashed the hardest I've ever crashed before in my life. My body was just not it. Then I got back I up would and I was say, fine, but it was I terrible. Would, yeah, I would, uh, I would agree with Paul. Um, there are not a lot of big lobbies that are um, like, poisoning the well yeah anti-coffee well that are Whoa. pushing well no there are i mean i'm sorry there are a lot of anti-coffee propagandists the and they should drinks. be cast into the out of darkness yeah. with weeping and gnashing of teeth um yeah. there's a lot of people that are yeah like the mud water people Right. <laughs> oh, drink, your, drink your mushroom juice and leave my yeah, coffee kava, right? Stay away yeah. from it. Just, I don't want to drink mud water. What, what, what kind of campaign is that? Mud water? What? I think I might what have seen one of those ads, not gonna lie. Um ultimately yeah. based ultimately uh because we're about to wrap up pretty soon, I think when it comes down to it, when it comes down to the the issue with like mental health, drugs and over usage of drugs I would say for me personally that we probably should create stronger restrictions for these drugs to, and it's hard for me to say that, you know, there's any restriction we could put out there that says, Hey man, do not advertise this to people as much, but at the very least we should be much clearer that these actually have, um, outstanding benefits for the people that are constantly using these drugs to kind of fix themselves right uh at the, at the very least you know with you know depression and antidepressants that's very very shaky territory but at the very least when it comes to adhd medication and putting put, you know, putting kids on those drugs when it comes to kids there's really definitely 100 percent needs to be a stronger impl uh, implication on 
making sure that these kids are not getting one, not getting hooked on these drugs, but two, making sure that they are at the very least being vetted way, way more strictly to the point where, okay, only if necessary, not, okay, my kid is acting up, get him, put him on some ADHD pills. Like we need to make sure that that's the case. Cause at the make society relying on drugs to function is just not a good society at the end of the day. And I think that's something we all recognize. So any, um, any last words before I rewrap it up? No, no, not nothing much for me, man. All right. Excellent. So that is all we got for today. It's a very interesting conversation between mental health, drugs, the overuse of medication uh, to kind of put people back in action. One thing, if you're listening, make sure that use this as a last resort. If you can look at, do some self-reflection, do some uh, behavioral therapy, do some therapy or counseling in general, and Maybe with that kind of uh, self-reflection on how you're living your life, you may be, be able to kind of function in society without these drugs to kind of crutch yourself on. So a little advice from us. We're not experts by any means, so don't blame us out here. But with that said, y'all have a good one. Rate the podcast five stars. Leave a review on Apple Podcasts. You can visit uh, the website Blind Knowledge or Planet X Network to check out the podcast and all the great content. And if you want to start supporting the podcast moving forward as we continue to grow, continue to make waves, continue to come up with solutions that are always productive without political bias. Because keep in mind, I'm right the middle. Jonathan's uh, in the conservative. Paul is a uh, lefty Democrat. With all that said, we can come and have these conversations. So these are very important things. Be an advocate, of course. Support it through via Patreon. Y'all have a good one. Take care. And we'll check it out, y'all. We got what you need. We're all living in apartments, condos, vans. Well, dude, even you can have a studio. A studio in a box. Yes, we can help you with that right here at Blind Knowledge. We work on your budget and we figure out your measurements. We'll get you the best sound for the best price. Let me know, 877-237-1143 or at blindknowledge.com. Yep.